0: Percent Mental Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode Ninety Four. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Terrence Wood, former Division One football player, author, and founder of Before You Go Pro, to talk about the importance in developing young athletes to adhere mental, moral, and
1: academic responsibilities. Terrence has a beautiful story of adversity that he shares not only in his book Before You Go Pro, but with all of his athletes. It wasn't
0: until he had to transition out of sport that he realized his purpose and mission was to
1: create his online mentoring company, Before You Go Pro. It is people like Terrence that truly define what it looks like to be in service. Hey Terrence, how are you? I'm doing great, Gran. How are you? Man, I'm I'm fantastic, man. I, I can't wait to... To get into our conversation today, uh, you know, football player to football player, and I'm just excited to talk about your journey and your mindset as a professional football player and what you went through, and also your mindset as an entrepreneur and, and how you transition out of sport into what you're doing now and talk about your company before you go pro and your book that you called uh, Before You Go Pro. So I'm really excited to talk about all those things with you today
0: well i appreciate the opportunity grant and uh what you're doing is amazing i think so many athletes need to to find out more about the mental side of the game and of life so uh we really appreciate this opportunity and uh look forward to speaking about some of those topics
1: all right well let's let's get into something that i know that you and i uh we we've had to embrace and we've had to go through a lot of this, um, when we had to play the game of football, which is being mentally tough. So what does mentally tough mean to you?
0: That is a great question, Grant. And, uh, and if I think about mental toughness, I mean, obviously there is no mental toughness without having to persevere or get past something that that's difficult. And, um, for me that that's, that's kind of where it starts is, is, you know, are you able to get, get through things when it's not uh clear cut, when it's not, uh, you know, a cherry on top, how do you navigate? How do you keep your mind right? How do you focus in when things get a little difficult? So, you know, when I think about mental toughness, I think about all of those athletes, Um, You know, think about I just went through uh, an evacuation. I'm in Northern California and there's there's fires going on and and those firefighters, you know, those first responders, how mentally tough do they have to be, you know, uh, driving towards the flames when everybody's running away? So um, that's what I think of when I think of mental toughness is is how do you respond? uh, What's the protocol when it's not? Uh, easy,
1: right? And, and and when we face, when we're faced with adversity, you know, how do we actually, like you were saying, like how do we actually get in the middle of it and and own our thoughts and and I call it the emotional hurricane. How do you actually conquer the emotional hurricane in the face of adversity, mm. in the middle of that hurricane? You know, there, it's the eye, right? What happens in the eye of a hurricane? It's calm. So the whole goal, whether if you're in football, whether you're in school, or you're fighting a fire. Right. How do you actually deal with all the emotions, emotions and thoughts that are happening with inside you? And then all the external things, the external hurricane that's happening in front of you. How do you actually become mentally tough and get in in, get into the here and now, but also make the right decision for you and your body? Exactly.
0: And uh, it's easier said than done. And and people don't really realize how difficult it is until they're faced with it, you know.
1: Well, can you share a specific time within your career, whether if it's high school, collegiate, or at the professional level, just that, that one time, and I'm sure there's tons of them that you can talk about, but that one time where you had to be mentally tough?
0: Yeah, definitely. And and as you said, you know, when, when you played as, as long as we have, um, there's multiple times where you have to be mentally tough. But but one comes to mind and it wasn't it wasn't even necessarily grant a specific uh, like day or a specific event um, as far as like, you know, one day this game I had to be mentally tough. What I would say is um, it was it was a, a season that I had to be mentally tough after my junior year in college and, and I went to the University of Colorado Um, as you stated. Um, But my junior year, I went through a coaching change before that. And I just really wasn't feeling the coaching staff and I wanted to leave. And I had to be mentally tough because I had no other choice because my father wouldn't let me leave. So, you know, it was kind of like, hey, you decided this and you're going to stick it out and finish it. So for me to come back and have Uh, some success my senior year really required me to uh, dust myself off, pick myself up, and and really refocus and be tough, be gritty and mentally tough to get things back on track where I could be an asset to the team my senior year.
1: For sure. You know, we, we talk about you know, changes. Changes happen all the time, whether if it's coaching changes or if it's personnel changes or injuries. A lot of things can come up, you know, that an athlete has to deal with. But when you deal with a coaching change, I, I love it that your dad was like, no, man, you committed here. And I talk about this, that as athletes, from the first day when we commit to this beautiful game of football, we do commit. We commit to it. We commit to the culture, you know, the the effort that you have to put in, all the hard work, the discipline, but then there's gonna be moments a lot of moments where you wanna where you have to recommit, and that's tough, and that's where the mental toughness comes in that's that's awesome that you you had to recommit with with a new coaching staff It's awesome
0: exactly and and like
1: I said, you know at at
0: my thinking at that stage as a young man was you know to run and go to another team. But if it wasn't for, which I probably would have done if it was up to me, but, uh, it was my father making me, uh, be, uh, more mentally tough and making, challenging me to find a way to make it work.
1: Right. Well, it takes a certain mindset and to do that. But when you think about just overall as an athlete, like how would you describe your mindset as an athlete?
0: Well, you know, one thing that, and and as you know, we work with athletes, we work with young football players across the country. And, you know, whether you hear the greats talk about it, Grant, or just in my own experience and the experience of others, the number one thing, man, is confidence. Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to uh, accomplish anything substantial if you do not have confidence in yourself. And you said a great word. Uh, when you were talking earlier you said recommit confidence is something that sometimes we have to recommit to yeah. now some guys just can hold on to it some guys some gals um, can just hold on to it and they're just so confident whether they have a, a bad game or a bad season they just always feel confident in their talents and skill but a lot of people I would say most athletes uh, especially if they play a substantial amount of time, there's going to be a time that they have to recommit um, to getting confident in themselves uh, and what they can accomplish. So, you know, I would say that's the number one thing. When I was playing my best grant was when I was the most confident.
1: I love it. I love it. And, you know, when we talk about recommitting to the process, the process of confidence, you know, I think it's a great conversation because a lot of athletes feel that confidence is a feeling which I am not going to deny that and I've said I've talked a lot on my podcast my previous shows about confidence it is a feeling but actually we have to there's something that happens before we feel confident and that's acting into our confidence so what is what do we have when we talk about recommitting we got to re- recommit to that process and that process is is your breath your process is self-talk it's visualization it's body language and we can start acting into those activities no matter what the situation is. Even before the game, we're confident because we can own that. That's the stuff we, we can own. I don't want you to wait for something good to happen so you can actually feel confident. I want you to already be confident. Exactly.
0: And that was one thing that I felt like wavered with me during certain times of my career And when I look at the times where I had my best production, it was the times that I was most confident in my skill. Um, There was one point, it's interesting that you brought up visualization. I used visualization as a young boy in Little League, in high school, didn't even know what I was practicing. Me too. Got to college, got, yeah. Got to, you know, putting the pictures on the wall, the whole deal, Uh, (laughs) watching the games, visualizing before the game what I wanted to do. And it was like coming true. So I'm using this practice as a young boy uh, naturally just because you love the sport and then uh, getting to college and being so turned off by the coaching staff that when it was presented to me as an older young man by this coaching staff, I was like, ah, nah, I don't want to do that. Like I remember specifically having a coaches meeting and uh, at the University of Colorado and them saying, yeah, after this, uh, we're going to have some uh, visualization practices for those that want to stick around, not mandatory and being so turned off by the thought of spending another minute with the person Mm. that I was, I was uh, repelling something that was actually good for me. Right.
1: You know, it's funny because it's, we're, we're in our society now. I, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction when it comes to mental skills training and mental performance training. We're not where I think we need to be across the board, but we're, we're heading in the right direction. And I feel that, we need to have it needs to be mandatory you know if if you want to do to be elite and if you want to actually build more confidence in your body and be more motivated we have to we have to you know buy into mental skills training and we have to do the visualization and and for me and i'll share this with you because you do work with young athletes is that especially at the high school level there is a process you go through within my role where this work is it's at first it's introductory it's you're, that's there's like a buy-in process for them to go ah this sounds cool I know that elite athletes do this stuff but I don't know if it's for me but you got to you got to keep on working with them build the rapport build the trust and it's funny because I'm I was working with a field hockey team a women's field hockey team, and it's it to me. This is where I feel great about the work, is that there's moments where I need to like I need to let go of the session. I need to move on from the session because I need to get them, you know, respect the coach's time and the schedule, and get them out to to practice. Because I do a lot of work with them before practice, and there's multiple times where I'm like, all right, you know, we need to we need to close up and get out and get you to practice, and they're like, we're not going until we breathe. I'm like, no, we got to go. They're like, coach, we're not going until we breathe. And I'm sitting there going, how beautiful is that? Like I'm having a team saying, no, this is what we want and this is what we need. And it's about breath, you know, to be more present. And man, it's just beautiful. That's great. Do you see a difference,
0: Grant, um, between men and women athletes as far as that goes?
1: You know, it, that's a great question because I I do. I think the the you know it's different from from player to player and from culture to culture, but I think that it takes a little bit longer with men um, for that buy-in process. Not all, it just it just when you compare the two genders, I just found that like with women, they're already they're already wanting to be bought in or they're already bought in. They're more uh, forgiving, they're more uh, nurturing, and and that makes sense, you know, but, but that's just a general statement. There, there are some men, uh, male teams that I've worked with that are just, you know, from the day one, they're like, like there's a baseball team that I worked with last year. The whole program was bought in on, on day one. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about, could you talk about your father a little bit and how instrumental he was, but your, your grandfather, Willie Wood, who is an NFL Hall of Fame football player, Uh, What kind of impact did he have on you, your motivation, your mindset when it came to playing football?
0: Yeah, my grandfather was a huge uh, impact on me. You know, that was kind of where everything began. I I had an instant love for football, but once I saw him get inducted into the Hall of Fame and I was nine years old and and was blessed with that opportunity to, to go to Canton as a nine year old and, and watch your grandfather have that gold blazer placed upon his shoulders. Wow. Um, you know, that was the day <laughs> that, that I was like, okay, I'm all in. So, you know, that was huge and instrumental. And, and obviously he was, um, somebody that I could get advice from. Um, a lot of times my father would speak to, to him, his dad and, and, the The advice or the opinions would get filtered down to me when I was in Little league and when I was in high school, I played quarterback um and I had the talent to play quarterback. I could actually throw um there were times where I threw forty times in a game but um, I wasn't obviously idea size, but the whole reason behind me playing quarterback was that was something that my grandfather and father discussed because my grandfather was a quarterback. He was a quarterback at USC mm. before he went to to on to become uh, he's the first black quarterback in the Pac-10 uh, now Pac-12. So uh, before he became a safety with the Packers, so that was all predetermined and discussed and and kind of plotted on um, and strategically game plan. So, you know, when you talk about my my father's, my grandfather's fingerprints on my career was all over it. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's cool. You know, when I coached, uh, and you know I talked about this, when I coached over at Sarah High School in San Mateo, uh, there was, and I played the, I played the game for 13 years. I've been coaching and, and I heard a conversation with the defensive coordinator and another player, and one of the players was like, I don't want to play another position because I am a cornerback. That's what I am. And he was like, if you want to go to the next level, you've got to be a football player. And here in this program, we have football players. We just don't have quarterbacks and wide receivers and free safeties. Everybody is going to be utilized with their best talents to be a football player. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, because I... Yeah, I was, my... my uh... My
0: grandfather's, uh, sorry to cut you off, but my grandfather's um, mindset on that was that at the high school, especially at the Pop Warner, but at the high school level, you know, one, you're not big enough to take the pounding that a running back is going to take on every play, especially if you get the ball a lot. You don't want to take that much pounding. Um, As a receiver, you're going to need a, a great O-line, a great quarterback, and the coach has to call your number for you to get the ball consistently. But a quarterback, as long as you're an athlete, especially back then, they were putting the best athlete at quarterback. Right. Like I said, I could throw a little bit, though. But um, as a quarterback, you touch the ball every single play. So the ball goes that the game goes through you. And you have plenty of opportunity to show athletic ability. And what I learned is, uh, and I deal with kids nowadays, you know, with college football recruiting, what we learn is that a recruiter, especially if I'm recruiting an athlete, a defensive back or or a wide receiver or something like that, I don't necessarily need to see them play that position and know they could play that position. A matter of fact, I get paid to teach them how to play that position. So all I'm looking for to to, to pop off the screen are things like speed, strength, size, athletic ability, uh, footwork. And then one thing that these young kids don't really realize that, that these, these recruiters look at, that are looking for DBs. um, And this is how you see a lot of running backs become DBs is they're looking at hips, and me playing quarterback—that that's all you see is is my hips, you know. So, um, a lot of uh, colleges will recruit uh, DBs that are former quarterbacks.
1: Right, and that was that was ultimately the the path that you went. You went from offense to defense.
0: Yes, and and I could have played either one. I could have played wide receiver or defensive back, but, you know, with family background, being from a family of DBs, and just thinking uh, of wanting to go pro one day, um, it it was a perfect fit to go cornerback.
1: Yeah. You know, I want to ask this question, because I... When you think about sports, when you think about, let's say, baseball, when you hit the sweet part of the bat, and you just rip it, and you can... Not only do you hear it, but as, as the batter, it's just it's a beautiful feeling right when you're playing volleyball and you and you just drive that I mean you just rip it like there's that connection that you have even with the tennis anything you're hitting something there's that sweet spot of it and and I know this because I played a little bit defense I was more, more offense throughout my career but I know the feeling when everything is perfect your form and it's just a beautiful hit or tackle, what was the feeling yeah. for you? Can you describe that feeling where you just, again, don't want to get, you know, aggressive here, but when you, when you light somebody up, right, um, yeah. on a tackle?
0: Yeah, no, um, for me, and, and I know that feeling, so I'll, I'll get to that, yeah. but, but just a side note, um, for me, and this is another thing where you ask about my grandfather, if you look at his stats, he was big on interceptions. I think he had 48 in his career. So um, that was ingrained in me when I was young, ingrained in me. Like if you ever have an opportunity to go ball or hit a hundred percent, it's ball. Um, <laughs> and, and, it, and, and here was the reason behind it. Ball you know, via interception or touchdown or whatever that gets you in the stat book that gets you in the paper, the big hit makes everybody go, Ooh, but it doesn't necessarily get you in the stat book. Mm. So, or, or in the, in the paper, the same way that, that giving the ball back to the offense or creating offense on your own uh, does. So I was, I was like ingrained, you know, beyond Sanders, like ball, 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 ball. Even when I was on defense, it was all about the ball. So, you know, for me, the interceptions I got were just the true take raw, but yeah, you know, everyone. And then plus I was also, it was ingrained into me, Grant, to always protect my body. Um, That was part of the reason why I chose defense too. Um, I felt like I could protect my body more at corner than playing wide receiver where people are trying to tackle me. So, um, you know, yeah, there were those times where I got a big hit. I got a big one in particular in a big game versus Texas A&M where it was just, you know, I saw the play coming. Um, And that feels great. But the ultimate for me, was you know the interception because I got the ball in my hands, so that's like fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand people all looking at you.
1: You know, it's funny when you're bringing up the interception and also bringing up your your grandfather played for the Packers. You know, I had a few weeks ago I had Marcus uh Marcus Anderson on on my show who who was drafted. Yeah, it's different. Of, yeah, you you know him. Um He it was funny when I started talking to him about you know, his most, you know, rememberable uh, interception because there's a picture that I saw of him after intercepting Tom Brady. And so he was nice. like, he goes, you know, listen, that's one of the best ones because I, you know, I definitely, I intercepted the, you know, the GOAT of all time. Uh, but he goes, it's, it was the first interception of my career, which was in La- in Green, you know, Lambeau Field. And he goes, it's, and I, it was a pick six, but I got to do the Lambeau Leap. So he goes, not only, it, not only was it awesome just to intercept it and pick six, but then just to – he goes, I've been growing up my whole life seeing those people jump up in the crowd, and I got to do that. Yep.
0: yeah. No, those are the things that you miss and you never forget as an athlete, as you know. Um, you know, it's not the wind sprints or the two-a-days. It's those
1: moments like that. Totally, for sure. You know, just a couple of questions here before uh, we get into your – what you're doing right now with young athletes in your book. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about the mindset because when we think about the mental game, you know, I don't care how physically talented you are if you don't have a mental game. In the moment where they where you really need it or the team, you're not that good. And when you look at my career, my, my best game of my career is because I had a mental game and the worst game of my career is because I didn't have a mental game. So when you reflect on your all all levels of, of your your journey as a football player, what was your biggest mental win and what was your biggest mental fail?
0: Great question. Um, let's start with the fail. We always <laughs> want to end on a good note. There you go. So my biggest mental fail was um, my playing time was sporadic when I was at the University of Colorado and i tell you from game to game i didn't know if i was going to play a lot or or not play at all so or you know maybe just special team so my senior year i started off the season i had torn ligaments in my hand started off the season with a cast we actually ended up winning we were in the big 12 at the time and we won a big 12 championship my senior year which was was great since as i told you before i had to suck it up after my junior year so i start off the season with the cast grant and finally get the cast off about midway through the year was fighting for playing time basically third string at one point there was a game where we had a starting corner go down another corner go in and not do well we only had one loss at the time um, and we were playing Texas A&M. They were undefeated. They are like 6-0. So this is a big game at, at, at our home stadium. So coach turns to me, the coordinator says, get in. I end up almost winning Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, or excuse me, of the game that we've got two interceptions, a few big hits, you know, just a great game, and nobody was expecting it. Mm. We go into... The next week, we're playing an undefeated Texas team, and they've got a bunch of first-rounders all over the field, and it's in Texas. So now this is a big game. We just beat A&M. We only have one loss. We're like 5-1, and 6-1, and one, and A&M, or Texas is undefeated. We go to Texas, or excuse me, we get ready to game plan for Texas, and we have a day after conditioning, that the coaches put us in our individual position rooms, and they list the depth chart for the following week. So we go in the DB depth in the DB uh, meeting room, and I'm uh, sitting next to a good friend of mine who's a starter, but we also went to high school together, which creates an interesting dynamic. And he's a year younger than me, so we're sitting next to each other in uh, the meeting room. And I just had uh, an amazing game that none of the other DBs have had the whole season. So everybody's kind of thinking that probably I'm going to be starting this next game, this next big game versus Texas. And the lights go down, and our DB coach puts up the DB depth chart for the game versus Texas, and I'm still third string. So my attitude goes in the dumps. My friend that's next to me that I've known since he can't, was a freshman in high school taps me on my shoulder and says, hey, don't worry about it, because he knows that. But basically, I'm getting slighted. Um, and I have a terrible week of practice, Grant. And then we fly out to Austin, Texas. And um, as we—sorry if I'm getting a little long-winded, no. but I, I think this would be a story for people— um, as we're flying off to Austin, Texas and, you know, chartered flight and, uh, it just happened that it was procedure that seniors sit in the front of the plane. So I'm a senior sitting in the front of the plane. I'm still pissed off because I'm third. Um, and they were putting me in for dime and nickel, which for those that don't know, that's when you bring in an extra cornerback an extra DB. Cause you know, the other team's probably going to pass the ball. So I was third string as a base corner, as the starting corner, which made me mad. But I was still starting if we went Nick or Don. And we were playing Texas, which actually happened to pass a lot at the time. So if my mind was right, I would have still been focused on, hey, unfortunately, yeah, you got slided. You probably should be starting this game. But you're still going to be on the field. And here's the cool thing. As a defensive back, you want to be on the field when the ball's in the air. So if you're in the nickel and dime, you're going to be in the field when the ball's in the air. You still got a chance to show your stuff. That's where my mind should have been thinking. Mm. My mind was thinking, forget these people. I hate this. Um, this is stupid, I should be starting, and I had the worst week of practice ever, probably in my, my entire career up at, in college, up at uh, the University of Colorado. So guess what happens? We uh, are flying off to Austin, Texas, and one of the DB coaches, the assistant DB coach, taps me on the shoulder, whispers in my ear, as he's walking down the aisle, and I'm sitting on the plane at the beginning of the plane because I'm a senior, whispers in my ear that if you do what you did in the last game versus Texas A&M, you're gonna make a lot of money in yourself, and then he a lot of money for yourself, and then he just walks off. Hmm. The person who that was, and and this is for anybody listening, you never burn bridges, the person who that assistant defensive back coach was who actually took a liking to me and always told me where I stood with the whole coaching staff was a guy by the name of Vance Joseph. He had gotten fired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos a year ago, and now he's the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. He was the one walking down the aisle that always loved me. That said, hey, some basically what he said was, hey, some people saw that game versus A and Don't think they that they didn't. Even though you're not starting in this game, just do what you did last game, and you're gonna make some money. Wow. But I was so in my funk, Grant, yeah. that I just I I just I didn't even practice to the level that deserved me having a great game versus Texas. So guess what happens right before kickoff, man, literally this, this, I'm not even making this up. I'm literally right before kickoff and and we're on defense. We're kicking off to them. This is 80,000. was in Austin, Texas. They're undefeated. Expected to win uh, the national championship. Cedric Benson, Roy Williams, Chris Sims is the quarterback. Major Applewhite's the backup. Just littered with with first rounders. Wow. Um, right before the kickoff, man, the defense it's loud. We can't even hear the defensive coordinator yells in my ear. You're starting, dude. I I've never in my life had my heart sink. Into my stomach, like it did at that moment. Uh, I'm I'm running onto the field, almost stumbling over myself because I'm just ill prepared, you know. So when you talk about, and we get killed like forty-one to seven that day. Everybody sucked on offense and defense, and uh, they were just uh, you know longhorning it up on us that day. Uh, Cedric Benson's coming out party because wow. rest in peace because he, he was uh, a true freshman. Uh, the coaches were like, yeah, they got this Cedric Benson kid, but don't worry about him. He probably won't play much. Rushes for like 240 on us. Wow. Um, now, ironically, I told you we win the Big 12 championship. We had to play them to win the Big 12 championship, but that's all in, in the book. But yeah, when you that was a long, long-winded Uh, answer to when have you felt like you really dropped the ball or weren't mentally focused. It was then I'll never get that one back, but um, I I let outside circumstances affect how I prepared. And um, that, that made me miss an opportunity. And then as far as being uh, ready for an opportunity, Uh, and I'll make this one quicker. Um, There was a point in time professionally where I was just trying to get on with somebody. There were pro shots with NFL teams, Canadian shots, arena football shots, and and money was thin. You know, I needed to get on with the team. And I I had started to get into the mental skill side of things and really just let go. You know, that's the whole thing is some people aren't confident and they're so tense. You know, I just, I began to let go and get back to playing well and just basically letting it all hang out, uh, Grant. And, um, and I started getting into visualization and just being optimistic about things. And I worked out for an arena football team. Um, and this is the first time, and back when we were kind of coming out, Um, Guys were making decent money. There were guys making six figures playing arena football for five months, you know, Um, and I worked out for a team in Austin, Texas had a great workout. Their workouts were a little different. It's not 40 yard dashes and and, uh, three cone drills. It's, it's actually playing. So you have two days to actually practice, play against the the team and, and see if you can hang. And sure enough, uh, had a great two day workout. Sure enough, thought that they were going to bring me on and sign me there on the spot. Even the other players thought they were going to sign me, and they told me that they weren't. That I did great, but they weren't. And that's a whole other side of the mental game, right. you know.
1: Yep. And
0: because uh, you want to tell them to have a, a piece of your mind, you know, at that point in time, but. There's that mental side that you have to be confident in yourself and you have to thank them for the opportunity because it may come back around. And that's exactly what I did. And I felt so confident, Grant, that that opportunity was going to come back around that they had given me a bunch of gear while I was out there. They had given me gloves and shirts and shoes and all kind of stuff, uh, sweatsuits and stuff. And I had too much gear to bring back home. And I was so broke that I didn't want to pay for the extra luggage at the time. Right. So, But I felt so confident that they were going to call me back that I told the the guy that they had me stay with because they actually had me stay with a, a younger guy a rookie on the team for those two days i said look i'm gonna leave this stuff here in the corner of the closet because i think i'm coming back but if for some reason i don't man you can take it as yours you know and do what you want um and sure enough a week later I, they called me back wow and I knew they would before I left, even though they were telling me no at the time. And I just, I decided to stay confident in that and trust that I did all I could do. And there were other workouts like that where I was like, I'm not going to get the call. But I started working on the mental skills side of things and just really believing and visualizing that I was going to be back. And sure enough, they called me back. Wow. And my stuff was still there.
1: I love it. Yeah, I think that the whole thing about the mental skills or mental performance training we're really trying to control the thoughts and emotions which can totally dictate the way we make decisions and move throughout the world. And and when you go back to University of Colorado right what what got in the way was your emotions, was your ego. And your and and as probably a year after that, you got a little bit more mature, you started working on visualization, more control more breathing, that stuff allows you to weather the storm, weather the adversity. And, you know, and I, again, I'm not trying to plug my book, but my book is about the next man up. And how do you get prepared for that moment? Like my, again, not to go into all the details, but my worst game of my life, right, was because I didn't have a mental game. And my first college game, I did so well. I was, I was just awesome. But the one moment where I lost my breath, is where we lost the game, and we did. We lost the game because I was out of breath, kind of like you. Like you had this awesome week, and then your ego got involved, your emotions got involved, your attitude got involved, got out of focus, and then when you got cold, you're like, you were out of breath. like You were nervous as hell, yeah. and so that's why I think the yeah. mental game is important and why it can be a mental loss and why it can be a mental win.
0: No, you know, and, and and what I realized being older now, and this is part of the whole reason behind the business
1: before you go pro,
0: Grant, is that I just didn't have any type of mental skills, resources when I needed it the most. You know, I, I just didn't have anything to fall back on to help me cope uh, with things except sex and drugs, um, but I didn't have anything positive. Uh, to fall back on or any type of way to reconstruct um, my my process for getting things back on on track.
1: For sure. me. I mean, me too. Same thing. I needed someone like me when I was playing my last couple of years of, of college ball. But you, you brought up your company before you go pro. Uh, this, I know this is going to be a two-part or maybe three-part question, but tell my listeners about... Of what your company is all about, but because you didn't have the resources in high school, also in college, and myself as well, when it comes to mental skills training, do you think that we're still, like, we're not there yet at the high school level, and is your company, is, is it providing those mental skills to athletes to get them prepared for the next level?
0: No, thanks for asking, Grant, and yes. The answer to that question is, is definitely yes. It was kind of me looking at the industry from my own experiences, the experiences of, of loved ones, you know, family and friends, and then also just kind of outside looking in at the current state of the industry and so seeing so many guys self-sabotage, um, so much hurt, um, seeing the industry scratching its head on how to help these young men. I I just said that the best way to serve was to create something that that would be powerful off the field for these athletes as opposed to uh, another seven-on-seven team or camp or a showcase or something like that. And not to say anything is is wrong with those things or or anything is wrong with being a quarterback coach or or a 40-yard dash Coach, Nothing is wrong. All of that is needed. But I felt that there was an abundance of great coaches in those those realms and not enough mental skills, social skills, moral skills um, and business of football educators. So, you know, with with Before You Go Pro, we are a student athlete development and uh, recruiting company. And what we really want to do is is educate the athletes and the families on the business and and how to fish. I believe that college is the gateway to life opportunity, and we really want to treat, teach these these athletes, these young football players, um, how to leverage that talent and that football, uh, you know, that school logo on their jersey. life opportunities, and I think if we can get them to college and if we can get them to college debt-free, that's a huge start, especially if they're equipped and mentally know the game uh, that they're in once they get there. So, you know, we are a student-athlete development and, and, and mentoring, recruiting company, and we only work with high school and junior college football players. Eventually, we do have the goal to expand, but right now we're focused And there's plenty of reason to focus on uh, football players. So we work with high school and junior college football players. Uh, We want them to be attractive to college recruiters and teach them how to be attractive to college recruiters and teach them how to be ready to thrive uh, on and off the field once they get there. Uh, For the athletes that we do get to grant in high school or junior college, we actually stay with them until they transition out of the sport so you know it's our goal to get them before they get to college but hold on to them through college because that's just a new chapter that's probably going to get a little thicker you know so uh we want to hold them through college and if they get fortunate enough to play pro ball through professional ball and then uh to the transition of life
1: and i know the goal is to to get the scholarship and and uh get them to the next level, make sure that they're financially, you know, stable or no debt. Uh, And so, and I love that. But like from your, within your role, how do you find the balance of, you know, working with these athletes to focus on getting better, controlling what they can control, but not solely have everything about that scholarship? Because sometimes that can actually get us out of focus and it can have us, you know, focus on the wrong things which you know the scholarship you can do things within the process to get you to the scholarship but you can't control getting a scholarship so like is there a how do you how do you dance with that how do you find that balance
0: no great question and, and that is part of the reason we do want to get to them their at least their freshman year that's when we really want to focus on on getting them because a lot of times you're playing catch up if you get to them when they're older, um, you know, the kids that we work with, it's already their goal to go off to college and and play football. So we're more so the consultant, the coach, the advocate to help them achieve their dream. For some of them, it is a a full-ride scholarship, maybe even to a Division I-A level school. We have kids playing at at all levels, um, even down to NAIA. Uh, but if anything, like I said, we just want to be the vessel to help them, uh, get their dream, but also teach them on how, um, there's many other things that they're probably good and talented at as well, that we can kind of utilize football for and leverage football for to, to have access to as well, you know, so. Um, most of the kids, I mean, 99% of them that come to us know what they want. They they want to play college football and, and they just want that help and that guidance to, to achieve that. So in my, in my role, um, I know that there's going to be a lot of highs and lows on that journey, whether they achieve it or not. And we want to facilitate that in the best manner. Uh, where they're going to be mentally strong and healthy.
1: What do you love the most about what you do?
0: What I love the most about what I do is actually working with the athletes and uh, their their parents or their guardians, the families. Uh, it's really uh, psychology work. The more the more I've been doing this for a long time now, almost a couple decades. And, and it's really, it's, it's I'm a psychologist, a football psychologist or a football whisperer, really, to tell you the truth. Um, for example, there's a young man, real-time situation that, that contacted me last week, and he's ready to transfer. He's a junior in high school. He actually uh, goes to my alma mater. And he's a darn good player. Matter of fact, it would really hurt the team if he he left. Now, in my position, I'm agnostic. You know, I'm on the side of the athlete. But sometimes it's just telling the athlete to be still. You know, just be still. Right now, you're two games away from finalizing the season. And, yeah, you guys aren't going to go to the playoffs. But guess what? I never played a playoff game in high school, and, and I did all right for myself. And, yeah, it hurt me. It's something that I still wish I would have been able to do, but I was at the right place. Now, I'm not telling you that you're not at the right place okay. and that, that you want leave. You know, uh, 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 maybe that is the move. But what I'm saying is the best move right now is for you to position yourself as a big time college recruit and the best thing to do that is get more film and you got two games to do it. So why worry about what we're going to do uh, a a month, two months from now when we can be present and make the most of right now.
1: Right. Right. And and I I, I love that. You know, when you talk about being still, it, it brings me back to um my experience with with my father was very supportive and very involved with just all of my athletics. But, you know, starting on on varsity as a sophomore in high school, you know, my dad, you know, he he wanted the best for me, but he allowed me to be my own man. He loved me. He gives me options to make my own decisions, but he never told me like, this is what you need to do. I don't care, you know, that I'm I'm your father and I've lived this life, you know, two times more than you have. So just let me, you know, follow me, trust me. It was more or less Grant, do you want to go to, you know, back then, you know, when I was playing in the EBAL, it was, it was San Ramon high. It was Monta Vista. And outside of that, it was, it was De La Salle. So he was like, pick That's it, a great league. right. Pick it, yeah. pick the team and we'll, you'll go. And I remember I was like, and he let me, he let me to, you know, like you said, be still, he let me have time with the, with the question and, and to give him a decision. But it was it was more about my commitment. It was like I committed to California High, and I know that we're not that great and haven't been. But I think I can, I can change the culture here with the the men that I'm with. And so I, yeah. I remember telling my dad that I'm like, Dad, I want to make this a good program. I want to be a part of this. And he said, That's that's great. Um, just know that you could probably go to the next le- uh, level, you know, easier have a better chance and a better offenses. And I said, I get it, but I, I want to be here. And, uh, and we got better every year. We got better. We almost made it to the playoffs, uh, but, but it was just being still with it. And, and, but also having the opportunity to make my own decision as a young man.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's so big, you know, even, even if it doesn't look like a short-term win, you know, like you said, you didn't go to the playoffs What that impresses upon you for the future is huge.
1: For sure. Yeah, it's just and it's the thing, and I know you and I can talk more about. We could probably have a, a whole episode about this, but you know the things that you and I got from the game of football, like how the the lessons and and the tools that we got to allows us allow us to be who we are today. I mean, I owe so much to the game of football.
0: Definitely, you know, I was talking to uh, a young man that I work with about that the other day. I said, you know, he was asking about the evacuations, the fire. And uh, I said, you know, we keep rolling. You know, as long as everybody is healthy and safe, then, you know, we we pick up everything and we keep rolling. We keep moving. We we strategize. That was just one quarter. And then now we're going to beat them in the next quarter. And that's what you learn from football, you know, is, is how to dust yourself off. You learn teamwork, you know, camaraderie. You learn how to be strategic, you know. So there's so many things that I've learned through football that I apply as an entrepreneur, as a father, as a husband. It's ridiculous. Yeah, My wife gets sick of my football analogy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My my wife is too, but I I totally get it. (laughs) Like come on,
0: man. we're about to go live. You know, she's like, shut up.
1: <laughs> well, you know, real quick though, it's with the game of football, and there's there's a, there's a other sports so that you can connect this analogy, but it's the it's the art of getting up. We get knocked down all the time, majority of the time. You know, in some positions you don't, but you have to hit somebody and you go to the ground. You know, you go up in the air and yep. you come down and you get to the ground. And there's there's sports like football and also skateboarding they i mean for them to actually understand how to, to do a 980 i mean tony hawk was almost 15 years was working on a 980 you know how many times he had to fall and get back up i mean that's so yeah. that's that's what i love about sports is that just in that in that respect is that we, like you said you know you learn how to kind of dust yourself off you know get up and uh, and that's what i love about sports and that's what i love about football
0: exactly it it teaches you so many great things and you know the people that say we should maybe get rid of football those are obviously people that never
1: play right Right. exactly exactly well one more question uh when you reflect on your whole career and I I love this question I because it's it's just a really cool question but when you reflect on your whole career what do you think you've learned the most about yourself
0: Mm, that's a good one. Um, when I think about my whole career, what is the thing that I learned most about myself? I, I think I learned, and and I I think I knew this, but um, I think it's been confirmed when I when I look back, just how much I really loved the game. Um, and love the process. That's why I think I'm working with these athletes today is because, you know, you get a little bit of a piece of yourself back when you give back and you serve others and um, watching them go through their career, So I think that, you know, when I look back on my career, the things that are, are really evident are, are the fact of how much I love the game and um, how, how hard I worked for the game.
1: I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, man. It, it just, as you were talking about it, it's like, that's part of me too. I feel that, you know, I have a different uh, story than you, as far as the way I left uh, football and my transition out of football into life. But I think what I do now with athletes, I, because I am in service and I'm just, I'm just going to reiterate what you said. It just, there's a connection and I feel like this, you know, my energy is my offering and it's why I'm here on this earth is to share my energy. And And I, and I believe, and I say this at a very, um, humbled and confident perspective is that I am special and my energy is special. And the more I give that, I, you know, I'm going to give and receive and, and I do that with these athletes. And it's just, it's just the, the frequency that I get, I do feel like I get a little bit of myself back and I get to relive some of those feelings. there's so many times where if I have a chance to sit in a locker room, I don't care what sport it is. And there's a pep talk. Or there's just there's coaches getting together and strategizing. Like for me, I'm oh like, man, Doesn't I'm like, that gets it going. Oh my gosh, I'm like this. This is it, man. This is this is this is where I get this is where I get joy. Like that stuff is just it just fuels me.
0: You know, I was working years ago, Grant. For uh, a multi-level marketing company, and and even though it didn't it didn't work out in the end for us, and, and not to say that it was a bad company, it was a, it was a great company. We just went a little too fast with uh, uh, getting rid of our day jobs, but but there were a lot of former athletes within the company, and a lot of the trainers were actually former athletes. And I'll never forget, man, um, this dude's a multimillionaire, his name's Michael Armendaris. And uh one time and they would do that. They would do like pep talks because everybody's in their low and everybody's woe is me nowadays in society. So they want to jolt you, you know, they want to get you going, like when you were a former athlete, when you were athlete. <clears throat> and Michael Armandaris was in one of these pep talks, one of these meetings, these rallies, and he he just said Raise your hand if you're a, a former athlete, you know, and and, and every, a bunch of people raise their hand. And raise your hand if you ever, you know, were good and won a championship or something. You know, a few hands went down, but a lot of them were still up. And then he just said, he said, where did you put that? He said, where where'd that go? Where'd that hustle go? That grit, that energy, like you talked about. Where did you put that? Because you had it if you were an athlete, especially if you won a championship or all league or something. Where where did you put that? Because I'm not seeing that in your day to day life. Mm. You know, and and I never forgot that, dude. Wow. And and that was when I was like, you know what? Got to start the business.
1: Yep. I love it. Isn't that cool? Just little things like that that inspire you and. And then you act on it, and look, look where you're at, right? Before you go pro, is is thriving, and and not only is the company thriving, and you're affecting people's lives. You wrote a book. Um, I know we didn't talk too much about it, but when it, when it comes to uh, people like following you, how can they follow you on social media? Learn more about before you go uh, pro, and then also where do they buy your book?
0: No, I appreciate that, and uh, the best spot is is our website. So it's they go to www.beforeyougopro.com, all spelled out. Um, then all our resources are there. You know, there's there's blog content there. Um, we have a membership site where we literally it's a DIY grant on how to land a college football scholarship from an academic, athletic, and social side. What coaches are looking for socially. Um, And we provide mental skills training and SAT, ACT prep. So we really wanted to create a one-stop shop for these young athletes. So, you know, if you go to our website and you click on the free trial, it's going to kick you over to the page where you can see all the packages. And uh, like I said, the mental side is so huge. So we we really focus on that uh, with our company. So www.beforeyougopro.com there's also the links there for the book and the book is in three different formats. So it's in a paperback. You can purchase it right on amazon.com. The link is right there on our website. We have an audio book and we have the ebook. So however you like to consume your books Um, and I'm narrating the audio book. So that's, that's a cool little tidbit. Um, And it starts off, It starts off, Grant, that uh, as soon as I saw my grandfather walk across that stage and have that gold blazer placed upon his shoulders, I knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. That's the very first sentence, and it goes through the whole journey all the way to uh, the business athlete chapter and the Benton Hobble chapter, where I'm feeding my grandfather because he now has severe dementia. Wow. So... It's a very honest, very telling uh book, and um I've had some people uh read it and and get a little scared, you know some of the moms and stuff but but they feel that they're totally more equipped um and more aware after reading that book, so yeah, on our website, there's the information for um our service where we work with the kids, and then there's the information for. Uh, how to reach out to us and, and also how to how to get the book
1: beautiful well to my listeners go go check out before you go pro.com go check out the book i mean i'm going to check out the book i mean i'm just just hearing this interview and, and and hearing you a little bit more just kind of dive in a little bit on the book man it sounds like an incredible story and there's a lot of um, a lot of things we can learn lessons learned through what you went through with your journey and terrence man it's awesome to have you on my show thank you so much for sharing your journey, your thoughts, and and your energy. Uh, I think what you're doing for athletes and how you're affecting their lives is, um, it's beautiful and being in service is just cool to, to see someone doing what you're doing. So again, thank you for being on the show and sharing your energy.
0: I appreciate it tremendously, Grant. I think that what you're doing is absolutely amazing. It is so needed. I will make sure that, uh, You know, our athletes and our families are aware of the podcast because you've had some amazing guests and and you're just kicking butt. So I thank you tremendously. And then what I would love to do, too, is um, I don't know if there's a way you could share a link with your listeners or or put it, you know, in, in the podcast comments, but I would love to share a link for your listeners for a free audio book.
1: Oh, beautiful. we can definitely do that. I will uh, I will send that link out as soon as we publish the show and and get it all sounding great. Uh we will we will publish that uh that link with the show and and have people start reading your book.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I'll I'll get that link over to them and you know, when they're on the treadmill or, or just walking, right. <laughs> uh you know, doing their yeah, their morning workout, you know, uh they can tune into that. I think uh, they'll they'll find it uh useful and some good value.